If a player cleans his ball during play of a hole, except on the putting green, he shall incur a penalty of one stroke. That's a rule, Jerry. But it's just a friendly game. Why do you always have to be such a stickler? Because that's the way I was raised. Welcome to Spirit of the Game, brought to you by the Colorado Golf Association. Here are your hosts, Ed Mate and Lewis Harry. All right, we are back. Welcome to another edition of Spirit of the Game. This is Ed Mate. And Lewis Harry. Last one of the year. This is it. Putting a, putting a bow on 2023, and we're going to have some fun with this one and kind of introduce a, a thematic a trend we're going we're gonna to use for a little while anyway. We'll see how it goes. This, we're going to do a series of deep dives. This one is um, going to focus on dissecting the drop. How did we arrive at dropping a golf ball? It's quite a long, winding road that's brought us to where we are today. 2023, we're now dropping from knee height. It wasn't always that way. So tell us a little bit about the history of this, would you? I know you, might, I know you love history. Sure. Uh, a, dropping is, it, it's what I think is probably the most important rule in the book. People might argue differently. There's other rules that are more important, but I, I think dropping is the most important one. Because if you, you look at our book today in 2023, look at rule 14, it's the, it's the longest rule in the book. Right. It, it, I don't know how many pages off the top of my head it encompasses, but any any time we have a procedure for the ball that does not involve a stroke, so it involves either picking up the ball, putting it down, dropping it, marking it, um, anything that Rule 14 encompasses today, it's there's there's a reason why that rule is so long, and there's a reason why it's in the middle of the book, and why it, why it comes before any of the relief rules. Because we need to get that out of the way before we get to any of the other procedures. Uh, we've mostly always had a procedure for ball somewhere in the rules of golf. Uh, as we know, we have two main principles of the rules of golf. Play the ball as it lies and play the course as you find it. Uh, but as we also know, that's not always the case. There's times where we don't play the ball as it lies. And there's times where we don't play the course as we find it. And in those times where we don't play the ball as it lies, we're usually picking the ball up. When the ball is in our hands, we have to have some mechanism to get the ball back down on the ground. Thus comes the drop. So, and it, like you mentioned and you alluded to, it's taken a lot of different forms over the years from the beginnings of dropping the ball. Um, there, there's a lot of different reasons why you've introduced in the rules where a drop would come into to effect, uh, mostly for relief reasons, but... Um, there's a lot, there's a lot of different reasons why we would pick a ball up and put it back down under the rules of golf. So, uh, we've done a little bit of history, uh, into the drop in our own research there. There's a really great website. Uh, if there's any rules nerds listening, if you're, you're listening to this podcast, you probably have some say, interest in the rules of golf. You are by definition, a rules nerd. If you've so even made it in two minutes into this podcast yeah. or, or, or you have some, and we say that I say that with all, I'm serious. The, the, I love nerds. Because really, nerd means you really have a deep interest in a subject, and that's mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. I I appreciate anyone who has even a surface level interest in yeah. the rules of golf. Yeah. So, uh, but there's a great website if anyone's interested in the history of the rules. Uh, Ruleshistory.com. Uh, it has a copy of every prior code of the rules of golf dating back to pre 1800s. 
Um, the, the website, if you go past 1952, you're going to find the RNA versions of the rules of golf. Uh, obviously, 1952 on, the USJ and the RNA jointly issued the rules of golf, so that is the same. But if you go into any of the rules prior to 1952, you're, you're going to find the RNA version on the website. But uh, in addition to having the different codes, they also have a section on each different topic. So if you want to find the history of water hazards and penalty areas, there's an entire page you can dive into those histories. If you want to find the entire history on the Steiny rule, it's there, one page for you, and you can dive in. But uh, we're focusing on lifting dropping today, uh, and there's a whole page on playing the ball, which includes lifting and dropping. So we'll dive a little bit into the history. Uh, we have some notes we've made about the history of the drop. We'll go over a couple of them, and then we'll, we'll dive into some other topics as well with history of the drop and where it's going today and where it might be going in the future as well because, uh, as we all know, that the rules change. They usually change in a four-year cycle. Um, the last couple cycles have been uh, – 2019 was a major cycle. This last one wasn't too major, but um, there may be a cycle in the future where we go through a rules change where the drop possibly goes away. So we have one of our, our first – pieces up here at 1754 where we have a note about throwing behind water six yards at least and if we compare that to what the drop is today in 2023 that's quite a difference there would you agree no absolutely um again the very original 13 rules of golf uh said and i think the exact quote is if if you hit your ball into water or other watery filth you shall throw, throw the ball behind the water six yards at least, and maybe the six yards was added, and allow your opponent a stroke for the misfortune, which I love the way watery filth and a stroke for the misfortune. So that was the first, obviously, in the very first code, we had to figure this one out. What do you do when you lose that feathery? Oh, my gosh, or that wooden block, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, it's it, like like we kind of mentioned before, we're, we're – basing the game off of the principle that we're playing the balls it lies. But um, that, when that's not always possible, we we need some sort of mechanism to get that ball back into either exactly. into play or back to where we can make a stroke at it. So we, we've always needed, we've always had the need for this, um, for what essentially is the drop. Okay, what happened next? Oh, well, we, we fast forwarded a handful of years here. I think for, from 1754, I believe... An, Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I don't believe that was even the RNA yet. I think that was a honorable company of Edinburgh golfers rule. Right, exactly. And I'm I sure if there's any RNA experts out there, I don't know exactly when the RNA was formed officially and became a rulemaking body. But again, the it, it kind of speaks to the to the local rules is where it all started with the Edinburgh uh, the honorable company. Yep, and I, and I believe even 1809 here with our next jump forward, this even still might be an honorable Edinburgh honorable. Company of Edinburgh golfers. Right. I believe we don't get to RNA until our next one in eighteen. I wonder what made them honorable. Do you think they really were honorable? Do you think they just said it that? It could be a self-appointed yeah. title. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you there were some dishonorable people. There was a sandbagger in there. There was a cheater. Yeah, there's, there's, I guarantee you cheating. It's been around forever. One in every, one in every crowd. So, <laughs> so wait, 1809, uh, we, we have a, 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 I hesitate to call it a provision, but uh, we have a, what David Stabler, he, he, he has a word for it. 
I don't know. David Saylor's listening. Please, yeah. please let me know which word <laughs> for it is. But so if a, a ball is in water, and I believe they, they may even call it out as a hazard at this point, but if a ball's in water, uh, the player is able to tee it behind the water. Otherwise, they're they're going to drop it. Right. So we have this. What, what what first we see is maybe an exception to a rule is what, what we would see today with the, the ball being in the water. Uh, if it's not in the water, we're going to do this. If it's in the water, we're going to do that. So we, we see the, the first of that kind of uh, shaping yeah. to the rules. Yeah, sort of tinkering. And here. obviously this pretty much shines the light on the fact that this, this is a very fluid, dynamic process. We always seek to improve. That's our nature as human beings. And so I don't know what led to that. Why, when your ball was in water, you're allowed to tee it uh, versus otherwise, maybe because there was a penalty associated with it and there wasn't penalties for other drop. Who knows? Uh, but that's an interesting little ripple in the history. Pro, pro, uh, the word is proviso, by the way. Oh, So there's okay. a proviso that if okay. the ball is in water, it may be teed. Okay, good word. Yeah. Word of the day, there proviso. You go. Okay. So we fast forward a few more years, 1858. I believe now we're in the, the the world of the RNA. I believe now the RNA has begun as a rulemaking body for the game of golf, the governing body. And I believe this is now part of the RNA's code as of 1858. So now, and, and we see some form of this still existing today. Um, it's not exactly what it was, you know, 200 years ago, almost 200 years ago, but uh, we still see some form of this today, and it, it introduces dropping on a line. Uh, and wh- what we still see today is our our relief option for back on the line relief. Um, so, this if anyone thinks that dropping on a line is new, that's by far not the case. <laughs> yeah. It has existed in the rules for a well long time. Well, and it was a major topic of discussion in rule circles in the recent history. Um, with it, where in eight in nineteen again, my, my decades or my centuries are getting blended now. In twenty nineteen, the dropping back on a line was uh, changed, where a ball could drop and roll forward. Uh, where in the past, prior up till then, it couldn't, and and now we're we're kind of we'll, we'll get we can get into that, but that'll take us too far down. Uh, that that line. So anyway, my point is, um, you know, we continue to we continue to meddle and try to improve. And sometimes when you meddle and try to improve, you make mistakes. And, and that is an example of that. Now we're in a little bit more modern times. Uh, we finally cracked the 1900s here with our, our, our original list, 1902. And this is the, the, the first intro- introduction of placing the golf ball uh, up until this point, there really wasn't placing in the rules. It was really dropping was the mechanism used to get the ball back into play. But with, as we know now, placing is, is part of our game and part of the rules. There's many times where we place the ball, most, mostly on the putting green, we're placing the ball. But there's times in the general area, other places we place the ball in the rules. But 1902, this is the first introduction of placing the golf ball. And in 1902, the only place we were placing was on the putting green. It was right. limited to that area of the golf course at this point. Right. Well, and it just shows this evolutionary history shows just how more often we get our hands. You can see a trend here. We're getting our hands on the ball a lot more often. Mm-hmm. The original shepherds hitting at that rabbit's uh, run off in the distance were, I mean, they you know, that was the joy of the game. It's just got to get it in the hole without touching it. And we have definitely eroded that principle. And obviously in modern times where lift clean in place is become so ubiquitous, 
um, we really, some would argue, have really lost a, one of the most important tenets of the rules, which is don't touch the ball. The club gets the ball to the whole night in your hands. Um, the intervening, the the likelihood of getting our paws on it now is is, is just exponentially higher than what, what it once was. And it's interesting. It took over a you know uh, over a, hundreds of years to even come up with the idea of placing. So, but we're now there in 1902. Sure are. Okay, so now talk about so that's kind of just a big macro view. Now talk about the methods. How do you drop? What does dropping mean? specifically and how has that process evolved well it's always even from its earliest days if we rewind back to our where we started in 1754 the the drop itself has always involved and i has we're going to use this word we're going to see it again here as as that moves into the future and talks about the modernization a little bit more but it's always involved some sort of release from your hands right where it's it's not and even in, in the early days, there in when we're throwing the golf ball, that's really the only times we see any sort of effect put on the golf ball. Once we start dropping over our head, over our shoulders, from arm's length into today, it really just involves the hands letting go of the golf ball and letting it fall wherever it falls. As we know today, when we drop the ball today, we're not allowed to spin it, flick it, roll it, try and toss it somewhere else. We just got to let it go and let it fall through the air by itself. In the early 17, in the 1700s and this, the early times of dropping it, where the throw was involved, that's really the only time we see where a player is allowed to influence where the ball might go during this procedure. So, No, a really good point. I hadn't really thought about the throw because you're exactly right. There's a sort of um, fatalistic, and this is, absolutely the key to this entire discussion in my view, and that is the randomness. The golfing gods, as I always say, are going to determine where you're going to play your next stroke, not you. And you should have very little influence over that. Uh, And that really reared its head, as we'll talk here in a minute, in the modernization, when that concept of randomness was being challenged for good reason. And for, um, you know, there there was a logic behind getting rid of that. But ultimately, that essential... Um, piece of the get the ball back in play is really the fundamental principle. It's really the it, it's it's almost like it should be added to play the balls that lies and the courses you find it. And when you need to get the ball back in play, randomness is going to determine it. It's that it's that vital to to the game's essence. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, it's I, yeah. I would, I would, yes, I would agree. Yeah. So the again, so a lot of early variants in the method of dropping a ball. Uh, again, we started in 1754 where we were throwing it at least six yards. Uh, in 1776, I don't know if this is a, a similar code of rules, but the Edinburgh Burgess set of rules uh, required you to throw it over your head. Uh, 1809, we go back to the Edinburgh Company or Honorable Edin- Company of Edinburgh Golfers. Um, that one, again, we're doing a similar thing that we By were the way, doing. can I just interject here for a minute? You're very good at quoting rules by number, like 15.2. Can mm-hmm. you can you quote them when they were in 1860? What number it was? Can you please tell me what what the what the number was then? I want you to it's memorize a, all those numbers going back into a, 1754. Yeah, that'd be that okay. would be a good one. I, I do know that in the Rain Man. <laughs> I do know that in when the USGA and the RNA started jointly administering the code, it was 22. Dropping was rule 22. Okay. In 
the times leading up to before we modernized in 19, it was 20 dash two. Okay. And obviously today it's 14. Well, obviously it's so, 14. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, For anybody who knows yeah, that. I'll, Everybody. I'll, yeah, I'll work on, okay, I'll work on couldn't those, help myself there. I'll work on the numbers in the 1800s. Okay. All right. I didn't mean to distract you. Keep going. No, so 1812, uh, this is kind of the introduction of where we see a little more the, the shifting of the process here. We're, we're facing the hole and then now dropping over our head. So that's the introduction of where a player is required to face the hole. Uh, before, it didn't really uh, say in the rules with the player what, he had to, what they had to do. It just told them this is the, this is the procedure for it, and this is what you this is how you do it. Uh, now we're requiring the player to face the hole to drop over their head in 1812. Uh, 1825, we uh, adopt what is the over-the-shoulder drop, and that's kind of the basis what sets us up for a pretty long run here with over-the-shoulder. Uh, it's th- This lasts for, I'm trying to do some quick math here, this lasts for almost 100 and... Is that 159 years? That's a pretty good run. Yeah. That that yeah, that that procedure last had some longevity to it. Yep. That, that the over the shoulder did quite the the run there. But so that that got introduced in 1825. In 1899, we, we added a few more uh requirements when we're dropping, face the hole, stand erect. We're dropping, you know, over our from your head over your shoulder. That, that's that's where you know the whole that process gets laid out in 1899 by the RNA, and, and then that's really that's the process there that takes us to almost up to 1984, right? So I have a quote here from the 1952 rules. This is again this is the first year of the jointly administered rules by the RNA and the USGA, Rule 22. So again, the a ball shall be dropped in the following manner: the player himself, which again. This is shows you that this is the evolution of the rules. We would have today. We would never refer to a player as their gender in the rules mm-hmm. of golf. No, I don't. That actually was uh, finally resolved in 2019. I think up until yeah. then there was some sort of disclaimer that you know, for simplicity, we're going to just use the. Yeah, there was the, a lot of even pronoun. in 2012, 2016, they got rid of a lot of them. But yeah. if you looked in like the definition of something. Sometimes it's still called out yeah. the player by he or yeah. him. There you go. Anyways, Long history there. So the player himself shall drop it. He shall face the hole, stand erect, and drop the ball behind him over his shoulder. If the ball touched the player, there is no penalty. If the ball dropped in any manner other than described above, the player is penalized one stroke. Wow. So And we still have that today where if a player drops a ball incorrectly and doesn't fulfill all of the requirements of our dropping rule, and then plays that ball, that player still incurs a one-stroke penalty even yeah, today right. because we need to get that procedure right. Well, and to be very clear, uh, there's always been an escape clause, not always, but there was what we used to call the eraser rule. We now could call it the undo rule to modernize it. I still call it the mm-hmm. eraser rule, 14, yeah. 14.5. Yeah, um, where you can, as long as you don't play a stroke, you can, you can, the, you can redo it yep, you correctly. Can correct yeah. that mistake and do it the right way, and you can get off scot-free. Right. So. So that, that is from our 1952 rules. Uh, again, in, in 1980, we, we have some, some similar rules. Um, we're still not quite to 84 yet where we see a, a big change. That Again, this, 
this procedure has been lasting for almost a century and a half. So we've been running with over-the-shoulder dropping. We're, we're still there here in 1980. But again, we see the same procedure. A ball dropped under the rules or local rules shall be dropped by the player himself. He shall face the hole, stand erect, drop the ball behind him over the shoulder. And if the ball is dropped in any other manner, the player shall incur a penalty stroke. So even in 1980, we're still seeing the same yeah. dropping procedure that we saw in 1952, that we saw in 1930, that we saw pretty much in 1899. So this is a long, long, long time for this dropping procedure. We finally get to 84. Uh, 84 is where we see a new dropping procedure for the first time in, like I said, 100 159 years, I think. And this is where I, I know this dropping procedure because this was the dropping procedure when I started playing golf. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of a lot of people who still play the game today, this is how they know how to drop the ball. Even though we've had our new rules in effect for over four years now, this is still how people have in their heads, a lot of people have in their heads how to drop a golf ball. So... This is where we go to ball held out at arm's length and drop straight down without influencing the ball, just reaching out, letting the ball go, letting it fall through the air, and then hitting the ground. Well, and standing erect. That's standing really er- important. Standing right. erect is also yep. the, the, the key piece of that. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this is also where the rule goes from Rule 22 to 20-2. Right. It's interesting, the numbering of the rules. So when I sat on the Rules of Golf Committee, which is a good segue to – 2019 in the modernization process, there was a couple very senior members of the committee, Bill Williams and uh, Reed McKenzie, and uh, they were involved in the 84 redo of the book. And just to kind of uh, sort of put some color on how significant the 2019 changes were, they both said this 84 was minor relative to 2019 because they didn't rewrite the book. They just reorganized the book. So the numbering system, they used to be like, I don't know, 40 rules, and they, they condensed it to 34. Uh, I think it was then. I've lost track. It went, to, it went to 35 at one point, then right. back to 34, and right. then now to 24, and then now just back to 25. So yeah. We've, we've yeah. had a lot of numbers. Right. So anyway, the point is that uh, that really shows just how significant the 2019 modernization was. It was, it, it was the most ambitious uh, rewrite of the rules. And you think what, what necessitated that – was all the history leading up to it. There was a lot to rewrite. Up until that time, you know, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And so finally, they all looked at each other at the Joint Rules Committee and said, I think we can slim this thing down. And it all kind of started the ball rolling, and no pun intended. Um, and that really led to a, the book that, it, the, the, that we now use today, and I think a pretty amazing accomplishment, the modernization. I know we talk about it all the time, but it really is a... Um, it's something that we, anybody involved in the process or, you know, it just made the game infinitely uh, more intuitive and the language is easier. It's just much improved. So, and I had the good fortune, as I often say, to be on the rules committee during this time, uh, thanks to uh, my good friend, Thomas Pagel, uh, who invited me to sit in the seat that's uh, reserved for a member of the state and regional golf association community, now known as AGAs. Um, as a consulting member, an advising member. I didn't realize I didn't have a vote, uh, which didn't deter me from speaking up and proving my, uh, my ignorance on many, many topics. Um, but I'll never forget this. I was at Golf House. Uh, the year was 2015, I think. 
It was my first rules of golf committee meeting. And the topic on the table was what we're talking about here, dropping. And I was sort of walked into that meeting expecting, because this was the talk, uh, the speculation was that the biggest change you're going to see in 2019 is the elimination of the drop. It's the end of the line. We're going to place, every time you get a ball back in play, we're going to place. The rationale behind it was simplification. As you alluded to earlier, it's the most, it's the lengthiest rule in the book. There's so many things that, that come with random that you have to deal with the what ifs. If you're placing a ball, those what ifs are pretty slim. So that was really what um, was leading the, the proposal. Uh, so when I entered the room, that's kind of what I expected was that we're going to be placing the ball. And much to my surprise, a new concept was being discussed, and that was the release. And I've always described this as if dropping and placing had a baby, it would be a release. And that is where you place the ball on the ground and let go of it. So if it does turn a little bit, doesn't stabilize on the exact spot, you are going to play it from where it comes to rest. So there is a very small bit of random in there, a lot less, because your hand, ball, ground are all in contact with one another. So the, the likelihood of the ball going very far is infinitely smaller. So we talked about it for a long time and the what ifs and the, but that was the concept. It was a release. So the way the rules of golf are written and revised and ultimately adopted is it first starts at the committee level at both the USGA and the RNA, then goes to a joint rules committee. So it was always interesting to come back after the, because I was not on the joint rules committee. I was on the lower committee. And you come back months later and you learn, oh, they rewrote the entire thing or they didn't adopt that. So I learned when I came to the next meeting that the release was deemed to be too confusing, was going to introduce all kinds of unintended uh, breaches um, where people are picking it up instinctively when it moves a little bit, probably true. So they said, you know, we got to get it out of the out of the contact with the ground so it does draw a stark, clear line between dropping and placing. This is too similar to a place. So they said, all right, how about one inch? Let's drop it at, at least, no more. I don't know if it was at least, but it was one inch. Um, so great, that was the new plan. And again, what's driving this is the concern over random. There needs to be some random, um, you know, you cannot place the ball. It's just, that's really going back to the very beginning. So in March of 2018, which was the opening of the comment period, if anybody wants to go back and study this, it's there. The one inch was proposed. Well, lots of comments came back, um, you know, some loving changes, some really hating them, whatever, usual stuff. But the one inch was really a concern. And the concern was it looks, avoid the appearance of evil. And if somebody's dropping from across the fairway and somebody says, hey, you placed it, it needs to be visually apparent that you're dropping the ball. And, and one inch is not enough. So lo and behold, after the comment period, the knee height was uh, the compromise. So after all this discussion, let's place it, let's get rid of the drop, let's release it. Um, it still preserves randomness, but it's pretty close. And then one inch to a knee height. So we started going all the way to a place and ended up backpedaling to knee height. So that's where we are today. Um, you know, a lot of initial confusion and, and angst about it. Um, I loved Robert uh, Duke's description at a rule seminar. Just imagine you're petting a dog 
that's basically the height. And I thought, that's a good way to think of it. Most dogs are about knee height, and it's not that hard. Um, but again, because we were so fixated on standing erect, so fixated on arm's length, it was hard. As you said earlier, in 1980, or I'm sorry, the procedure that you grew up on and that I grew up on, arm's length, shoulder height, was kind of a, a big shift. So that's where we are today. We've come a long way. I've, I've always thought I should have a bumper sticker that shows, you know, the evolution of man walking on four and then walking on two <laughs> legs. The evolution of the drop would be a guy throwing it to shoulder height, all, all this, and then eventually. So as we sort of, that's where we are today. And as we take an eye to the future, I, if I had to predict, I would say the way the trend is going First of all, what we're doing now is not going to last 159 years. I'm pretty certain we're going to we're going to not, you know, avoid or have the restraint to continue to dabble. I think the dabbling is here to stay, and the next dabble I think is a place, and the the same rationale that was um, recommended or led up to the idea that we're going to just get rid of it, the simplification I think is going to win the day. I do know that having sat on that committee for four years, that there was a lot of people in the room that felt that's where we really should be, but we weren't quite there yet. Um, so I would say, I don't know when, but in the next 10 years, I will predict, and we can go back in the archives and listen to this, that we will be placing and that the drop is forever removed and will go by the way of the stymie and you know penalties for striking flag sticks and things that are just yesterday's they're part of the history books well, it's, it, the rules are they're they're always changing they're always i wouldn't say changing they're always evolving mm-hmm. and as we move forward and the game evolves the rules to to keep up and to be applicable to the way the game is evolving we, we just there's things that have to um things that have to change so would you be in favor if you were if you were on the rules committee if we were the poobahs and it's just up to the two of us, would you be in favor of eliminating the drop and going to a place? Um, I, I will preface this with, at this time, no. Okay. And, um, and your reason? Because I, I, and it goes back to, I think, the, the randomness, and I think the, that, that plays a, fact, a factor into it, right? There's randomness after every stroke, and I think the randomness to get a ball back into play, I think, should still – now, I could be swayed. Mm-hmm. I could be easily swayed to get out of that line of thinking. But at this time, I think that's where my head is at. So when I was on the Rules Committee, I uh, got to meet some really great people, and Martha Lang was became a good friend and a former mid-amateur champion and just a wonderful human being. And she said to me, uh, sitting next to me, said, Ed – you need to pick a few less hills to die on because I would be so adamant about – she said it with a smile on her face, and, and it was well-received. Well um, so in terms of hills to die on, um, you know, it's funny because as I reflect on this, because I was firmly in favor of a place uh, and, sp- and said as much during the course of my time on the committee, you know, to, uh, you know when there was still some – um, openness to the concept. But when it became pretty clear that this was, a, you know, a fait accompli, we were going to drop in some way, shape, or form, I let go of it, no pun intended. Um, but um, I would have to say today, I am emphatically in favor of keeping the drop. I'm going to surprise you here. 
And here's my reason. As I said a minute ago, what are the fundamental principles of golf? Play the balls it lies in the courses you find it. And when you can't do that, there's a saying, do what's fair. But I would add to that, when you return a ball into play, fate has to play some hand in it in most cases. Um, And part of the reason I think I've sort of uh, evolved back to a more conservative position on this is the continued advocacy for from a surprising number of golfers that you should get relief for a ball that's in a divot. And it amazes me that we have not um, sort of put that to rest and that there's more that just keeps coming up. I, I ask all the time, what's one rule you would change? And almost nine times out of 10, you get relief from a, and my fear is that eventually that voice is going to win out and we're going to be give, giving relief for balls and divots. And if that happens, the game is lost, in my opinion. At that point, the game is no longer golf. And so why are these two things connected? At least in my mind, they're connected because there's an unfairness that go to both of them. It's not fair. I dropped the ball and it went into a bad lie. So what? I'm sorry. That's not fair. I hit a perfect tee shot. It's in a divot. That's not fair. In the moment we let go of, we're slowly but surely trying to, and it's true everywhere, not just in golf. It's true in every sport where, you know, a player commits a penalty and it's, and they look at it in an instant replay and that's not fair. They got it wrong. So we introduced instant replay to solve for fairness. And so it really worries me. And if we go to a place, to me, that's a, that's a big step toward divot relief, just because at that point, the, the, the slope has gotten so slippery that you're now basically placing it every time your ball, every time you hit a shot. So that's where I am on this date in history. All right. It's to be determined where we go from there. Yeah. Well, uh, that was a deep dive. That was uh, good. And we're going to do more of these. Uh, I hope the listeners enjoyed this deep discussion. I, I, I thought of this from the very beginning, um, but I think it's time to drop the mic. That's a good... Drop the mic on... We're, we're dropping the mic literally here. It's, we have microphones in front of us, but it's been a fun year. 2023 is in the books. Yeah. 2024 is not a rules change year. It is not. It's, it's, uh, it'll be the first. Well, we had a, a cycle change in 23. Um, so it, we will continue on with the same book if it were 24. Now, there might be clarifications added. We didn't have any clarifications added in the last quarter in October, so there were no new clarifications added, but... We might have some clarifications added in 24 and some model local rules added. Um, the topic of rollback still mm-hmm. lingers in the, uh, on the back burner. So we'll, we'll kind of see where we go from there. Yeah, that's going to be a fascinating one to see. It seems like the, the teasers coming out as we're recording are that the next announcement is imminent. And I think the next announcement as the common period comes to a close is they're going to roll it back for all of us. That's sort of the sense I have. And I think it just play, the hand played out in a very interesting way where the pushback from the tour uh, in the PGA of America, most notably, was that they don't want to bifurcate the rules, even though they're already bifurcated. Um, uh, but in this particular instance, we should all play the same ball. Um, so we're all going to suffer with a shorter golf ball. So that'll be fascinating to see because that they've teed it up perfectly for the USJ and the RNA to make that statement. So that's what I see in my crystal ball. Uh, but we'll probably by the maybe by before the end of the year we'll we'll see an official announcement around that. Well, if anyone so. if anyone has any professional '90s lying around, 
So might as well start playing those. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, the first ball I remember was the Wilson Pro Staff was the ball I played, which Jerry Pate played when he won the Players' Championship with an orange version of it. Last question before we wrap. Uh, will you be going to a rules seminar? Are you going to take the test again next year? Uh, you're going to start your off-season study, I assume. I, it's already started. Uh, yeah. I start my off-season studying uh, usually before Thanksgiving. Okay. So if I start it before Thanksgiving, that usually gives me over two months. Okay. If I, and I study every day, aside from Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> okay. So that, what do you do on those days? Uh, so, yeah, if you, look, if you look at my Outlook calendar, there, there's, a, there's a block every day. For, and that's why you know study. every number. And that's why you're so, so good at it. And that's why we love you as uh, our rules and comps director. But there, <laughs> there is a, yeah, I will, I'll be attending the uh, Atlanta workshop. It's the, the expert workshop in Atlanta. Awesome. Uh, at the end of January. And I will also be attending the refereeing workshop in uh, at, Saw, awesome. at Sawgrass in February. Well, it's it's, so it's looking, like really looking forward to. I mean, the I've been to the the Atlanta one in twenty four. That'll be my oh boy, that'll be my seventh or eighth workshop I've been to. So the, really, the the regular four days, you know, those are kind of just routine at this point. I'm really looking forward to the refereeing one because yeah. that's something new and yeah. Uh, Excited to see what they have to offer there. Well, it's like a language. You got to stay fresh and you're always learning. So, so and then I will be taking, yes, taking the, the Hunter question exam. All right. Um, already for, for this cycle, the, my score from last year is good through the rest of the cycle. So, it takes some pressure off. Really, yeah, really no pressure for this That's one, except good. for just the, 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 uh, the continued quest for the 100. So. There you go. Okay, a noble, a noble pursuit. All right, let's wrap. All right. Until we'll next time. See you next year.